Hi, Valerie. How are you? Oh, hanging in. I hit her and I think it would be the word at the moment. I know. Well, you and I have known each other for many, many decades and we've lost a little bit of touch, but you've always been very near and dear to my heart for many different reasons. You are an incredibly strong, powerful, fearless woman that I've always looked up to. You have had the best dating advice for ever and ever and ever. Lots of people have always used uh, things that you have chatted about. But more recently, you and I connected and we started chatting and, you know, we were always going to do this podcast. However, as soon as you and I started talking, aside from having tears um, and goosebumps of what you have gone through in the last few years, you have said that it was okay for you and I to chat about it. So thank you so yes. much for that opportunity. Yes, indeed. Why don't you tell some of our viewers who don't know who you are, uh, sort of from a professional standpoint, um, where you've been and where you're at now. And then I really do want to dive into some of the things that you've endured in the last uh, year or two. Okay, thanks, Adrian. Well, I've uh, been a journalist in uh, newspapers all my life, pretty well, uh, except for the odd break, I think. And uh, I've written three books, and uh, I was very... Um, keen, if you like, on how they came about was simply I was very keen on making older women enjoy getting older. Uh, I think when I first wrote the first book in 1996, uh, I took it to America and they were horrified. They were absolutely <laughs> horrified. They, they weren't they, ready for Valerie quite yet. So they, they would have lynched me if they could um, because they said it was it was all about older women and younger men, you see, how to make them date them and marry them <laughs> and uh, you know they loved it in LA and Chicago and New York and all that but the rest of America did not mm -hmm. and made uh, life very difficult so I ran out of America <laughs> with that one took me a while to uh, write the next one of course in between uh, I, I became the sex columnist at the Toronto Sun oh yes uh, you did oh yes you I, did yeah. Valerie I, look up look up to I your camera that. Look up uh, at the top of your oh, computer. Oh, up the camera. Okay, well do. Let me. There just, you just go. go. We're you. We're used to doing things in uh, oh, face sorry. to face. Face to so face. I just want to see your gorgeous eyes. There you go. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I was. Uh, I became sex the first columnist. first sex columnist, female sex columnist, in Canada. They 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 in the newspaper. They they didn't. There were. I think one in uh, Playboy, <laughs> one yeah. in Details Magazine, and, and myself. And uh, again, uh, when I became uh, the sex columnist, in, uh, that would have been 1996, I uh, found that my own newspapers, I was with the Toronto Sun, own newspapers in Edmonton, Calgary, wouldn't touch it with a barge pole, they said. Wow, because and I, look, yeah, look how far you tell you why. They what said, did they say? Because I use the proper names for parts. Oh, like, like vagina and penis and... Oh, in those days, that was absolutely a no-no. <laughs> and I was furious because, I, you know, the editor called me into his office and said, you have to use other... I said, well, what do you call yours? <laughs> you know, and he just really fainted. Um, but it was a huge success because there wasn't anything for 
married couples, women uh, particularly, I was very keen on helping women with their sexual problems. Um, free column, you know, that you could get advice um, and write in. And I would answer everything that was written in, every email, everything, just to You're help. You're a sex saint. And I really, I really loved helping people. I really did. And also, I was doing it from a standpoint of I had been through a hell of a life <laughs> and I had done everything pretty well. Never did drugs, but I, I had done everything in life, uh, five marriages, got myself into entangles, all sorts, just like ordinary people do in a way. <laughs> got married too often. You know, it all fell apart. Blah, five blah, blah. five had, marriages, Valerie. You should be a divorce expert. I was. I was. On top of a sex expert. I know. Because you know, I, part of what I do for a living as well. And that is so exciting and interesting. I just, I think back 1996 and it doesn't seem that long ago, but to have, I mean, you've obviously seen such evolution for females and being able to talk about things that are actually happening inside the bedroom, outside of the home, inside of the home. And you I'm, have been one of those pioneers that have said, yeah, no, I'm going for it straight, straight ahead. And you've yes, also I, been I very authentic about it. And um, it, it caused a stir at the time, but then it was the most popular column in the paper, of course, and Edmonton and Calgary ran it, loved it. My biggest fan club came from there, both wow. of those places. But um, that led me into the book next, which was that I started and thought up the name Cougar. And I started the Cougar trend, of course. The Cougar phase, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, 2000, 2001. And uh, again, I took it to America and I was on Dr. Phil and he said, what the heck? He said, a cougar's an animal. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I said, no, no, this is the new name for lovely women, sophisticated, independent, you know, totally in command of their life. This is the new name for them. They want to date younger, just like men have done for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Women Bravo. are doing the same. But of course, still, um, the one in 1996 was, you know, horrific to people. But in, by 2000, it was a little better, but it was still difficult. They People still balked at the idea of an older woman dating younger man. And, and do you think, can I ask you a question just for a second? Do you think that it was because, you know, let's say you put a label on it saying the cougar, I mean, I think a cougar is so strong and sexy and yes, so fearless and so idea. many protective and so many different things, right? But yeah, do you think right. it's because you're it so was right. a label put on it or you were just well, trying to, really, to, trying to level the playing field in my eyes? Yes, it did. But the thing was at first, having a title, I mean, men, older men were called silver foxes. They were they, they had all their names, but the right. women didn't because they weren't supposed to do that. So I came up with, I felt a lovely, lovely animal, you know, strong and knows what the, he wants or she wants um, and takes command of its life. Um, it was the perfect name. And I think at first, as I say, in America, they, they didn't know what to do with it because <laughs> it was completely new. But 
uh, he liked my book, Phil, and I went on all the talk shows and everything. And I remember what happened, which I think was very sad. It was taken by the media, of which I'm a member of media, but it was taken by the media, especially in America, um, and made sleazy. And it never was meant to be sleazy. It was meant to be very sexy, very cheerful, very upbeat, very much women, strong women in command. You know, this was the whole idea of Cougars. They had, they were getting into their forties and above and running their own businesses, just like you, and in command of their lives. And why shouldn't they be in command of their sex lives? That was the, the big bugaboo in society. No, they should not. Men make those decisions. Men propose. Men ask for sex. You know, women should. Why not? I just said, well, why not? Right. Yeah. Why not? And it's funny you say that. Uh, I actually married somebody a little bit younger than me. And for me, part of my whole mission right now is regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of social, religious, uh, or financial status and everything else, everything is all just about being a human. And, you know, I married my husband, not because he was younger. It was because quite frankly, he could keep up with me. And <laughs> I'm not just talking about the bedroom. I'm talking about, we could strap on a pair of blades and, and go, you know, rollerblading, or we could go for a hike or a bike ride. And I found when I was in the dating phase, dating, and maybe I, you know, there's some men much, much older uh, than my husband that are in fabulous shape, but maybe they weren't available. I don't know. I just didn't seem to meet them. And it was, you know, oh, my back hurts, my hip hurts, my Achilles. I get all that. We're getting old. I'm just not at that stage right now. And right. so I met somebody that was my, my equal in physically and yeah and physically though, right yes. yes but also physically he was able to keep up and I and you know what I love that and you're yeah. right about you know kind of putting a derogatory spin on cougars because I was like you know I know the women that the woman that wrote that book and I know she coined the phrase and she did not mean it in a sleazy way no and I did not they were like no sexy. and people are like oh, not necessarily oh. sleazy yeah, and they're like, oh, so you're a cougar now, huh? And yeah. I'm like, I suppose if that's what you refer to me as, no problem. But depends, just the way that they would say it was, yes. was sort of a put down, right? And I, yes. you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't let outside influences, uh, you know, affect me. But you could say, you could tell that they were, they were turning what you actually created into a beautiful animal phrase how to you know uh maybe describe be independent how to be in control how to have your whole i mean the women today of 40 plus are in control many 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 of them because they do everything they want to do i mean if they want to divorce they will if they want to marry again they will if they want to start a business they will they couldn't do that years ago you couldn't it was always very um, you know, the society was against women taking any kind of control. They're much better now. They're, but you see, I always you said- still have a long way to go, but yes, I yes. feel that but every- say, Adrian, I was on all those TV shows and I used to have the same phrase, but I said, I hope one day there will be no more cougars because everybody will just accept it as an everyday relationship 
like, you know, gay people or other people, whatever you like. It's an older woman dating a younger man. So what? Yes. It's it an age thing. So what? And she can do what she likes because she's got control of her life. And Regardless I really would so I, I'm hoping now that people, I think people now think of it as sleazy, which is unfortunate because it never, I never some, I think some people, I don't, I wouldn't say all of them. No, not all. No, I agree. And I had fun. I mean, whilst that book was very, it was a bestseller and it took the name across the world. I had, I had interviews I was giving to in Peru, <laughs> in Portugal, in Japan. I know you traveled the world. It went all the world as now known in the lexicon a cougar woman is one who dates younger yay so but that doesn't mean to say that it makes women not happy to be known as a cougar no because i think it got made into a very sleazy thing of older women grabbing young men reluctant young men it's not it was in the end of that book running its run it was the younger men who were chasing the older women. Now the younger men chase older women. They want older women. They know how delightful they are. They know how wonderful they are. Interesting, fascinating, wonderful in bed. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And they want one. <laughs> so they don't, and the older women don't want to marry them. Generally speaking, no. Why would you? You can have another younger man if it's trade him in for a pool boy. I told my husband he's staying. You know, I told him I'm not trading him in for a newer version because that would just be unfortunate. But uh yeah, exactly. And I think it it's all dependent on where you are in your life. A again, you've had five marriages. Some people have had one or two, you know, under their belt, and they're they're good. They've had their kids, they've elected not to have kids. Um, you know, they're gay, they're straight, they're bi, it really doesn't matter how you identify in my world, in my wor world, regardless of gender, it's okay for you to make your choices. Your choices are just that, your choices. But I love how you can go back and say, well, yeah, 96, they wouldn't even publish my articles because I said the word penis and vagina. And now yes. I can't even turn on, uh, you know, the radio and there's F-bombs and all these other things going. Oh, on. yeah. It, it's everything goes now. Everything. Then, no, women were, still couldn't rise high in jobs. They couldn't be presidents of companies, big companies. It was all very different in 1996. And as you said, exactly. It wasn't that long ago. And yet at that time, I remember there was a lot of shock when Calvin Klein showed uh, I think it was uh, one of the models Titty. in uh, showing her underwear or slightly or something. I think because, it was breasts too. Uh, yes, yeah. Oh and I have to tell you this, Adrian, because uh, the editor-in-chief was a very bright spark, my editor-in-chief of The Sun. And he, um, my, um, he took a photo of or had a photo taken of my legs and when I first started that column on sex and uh, relationships. And, and you've got he, great legs. I'm good. I'm going to have yes, to pull up a photo. He published it. Well, the TTC re refused to post it on their buses or on anything because it showed a wee bit of flesh above the stocking, just a half an inch. You see, now this is 1996. So there was, uh, he made, uh, made hay because he made hay out of nothing. He had a contest in the sun should Valerie's legs be on the TTC? And 
<laughs> and of course, everybody said yes. And it was a great success. And my legs were on bus shelters, six foot high. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, we are going and to the, pull those And the uh, slogan was, um, Valerie's columns get noticed. And it was the legs, you know. And uh, it was Beautiful rather clever, time. I thought. They, it's, it was a very clever stance in its own way. But it was still difficult um, for people to understand that women could be open about their sexuality. I used to write about my own sexuality and my own goings on and dating and whatever I was doing or my marriage or lack thereof. <laughs> you know, it was all yep. all honest, outspoken stuff that other people related well, to. Well, it was authentic. I mean, you know, yeah. even what I am unbreakable, it the whole basis is authenticity and storytelling. Yes, exactly. And if you remember prior to zoom and the internet and television and radio people sat around a fire or sat in their homes and that's how children and men and women learned was yes. through storytelling and yes, so exactly. how unique to come full circle and do the exact same thing valerie before we get too far gone on the evolution and the continued evolution and what you uh, provide other women as such. You've been a huge mentor to me and I know to hundreds and thousands of other uh, females and males and anybody else who wants to listen to you because you have a wealth of knowledge. I'm very saddened by uh, what we spoke of earlier and I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about that if that's okay with you. Yes, it is indeed. Well, so when we spoke and I said, how are you? You gave me this very, very sad news of your daughter. Would you mind to share what you said? Yes, I um, not many people knew, and not because I hid it, but because I never really, I wrote about it occasionally, very rarely in the paper, but um, not many people knew I had a mentally challenged and very disabled child, daughter, lovely, lovely girl, just a wonderful girl. And um, and her name, was, uh, Sarah. And yeah. uh, I was nineteen when she was born, just nineteen, barely nineteen. And uh, I remember I would lived in a day and age, and people won't like what I'm going to say. Lived in a day and age in England where they didn't want challenged people. They didn't like them. They were afraid of them. They shut them in institutions. Uh, and hoped they died. In fact, my father said to me, you put her in an institution, you throw away the key and hope she dies. And I remember at that moment, I decided that this child would be my responsibility for the rest of her life. And she would have a damn good life. She was going to get a good life. And I was going to provide she, it you without gave fail everything i i everything <laughs> yes she had a wonderful time she wow. she went to disney world in america she traveled all over europe far more than i did actually um yeah. and she uh, rode horses in england when she was much younger i met princess anne and she just lived in a home which was and i have to quickly tell you how that happened i hunted at that time i was a teenager still i had this idea that there, it seemed to me there was no reason why my daughter shouldn't have a good life like everybody else within her limitations. And where was this? In other words, it was integration. But there wasn't a word like that. Nobody had ever thought of that. 
and I hunted for six years in England for a home, a place where they believed in giving children of this nature a life, a wonderful life, free and, and in their limitations and well looked after, and that she could enjoy all the things, mostly anyway, that ordinary children did, how it didn't exist. I heard out of the grapevine of a place in Jersey in the Channel Islands, that's a little group of islands, tax havens off the northeast coast of France, that there was a woman who had experimented. She was a principal of a school. She experimented in her school, introducing challenged children into the mainstream. Well, this was uh, absolutely a Revolutionary, yeah. And the parents of the able-bodied children complained bitterly, said they would take their children out of there. They didn't want the morons and cretins, you know, mixing with their kids. All these words were used in those days. And um, anyway, she persisted and had great success with it, with the whole thing. The able-bodied kids met a challenged person for a child for the first time in their life. The uh, challenged people pulled themselves up to level themselves with the able-bodied. It was such a success. And I flew over to see, and I decided this is what I dreamed of, integration into life. And I went back home and brought my daughter over there. You had to establish residency. The island, you can't just move there. You know, it's just a very closed society. And it all, it was a long, it was a 35, 40 year plan. Well, Get the core vision was that it didn't matter what it took. You uh -huh. were already that cougar that was going to protect her child and give her the best life she could in a very integral, honest, loving weight and like you said within her limitations but you weren't dropping her somewhere and throwing away the key no. and I just want to say I don't know I gotta ask the question did your father ever apologize or acknowledge no. what he said no he ever they had nothing to do with my daughter my That's mother said she was ugly and clumsy and uh, she wasn't perfect you know him my mother liked perfection no uh, my family didn't want to know I was a kid myself and on my own, and my marriage broke up because my husband couldn't cope. It, that That is not unusual, Adrian, in, in uh, marriages where you have challenged children, it can break up because the strain or the one of them can't manage it, uh, you know, to deal I understand. with it. My but, heart still goes out to you. I'm sorry. I'm just, I can't well, not he, help he, feeling, he, even though it's different today, I can't help feeling like I just want to give you a hug if you were here I'd be you know nice of you but I I got out of that marriage so he had to go <laughs> yeah oh, not, I wasn't talking about the husband forget the husband <laughs> I was talking about your daughter and the the lengths you went to as this is yeah. like the love of a mother you know moving and researching in a day and age where that did not happen I mean my story is nothing even comparison to yours but I remember having anxiety as a young child and going to my mom and saying, mom, I feel like worried, you know, there's nothing situational. I'm like, kind of, I don't even think the word anxious was around. I think I said worried. And she was kind of like, shh, 
don't tell anybody they're going to lock you up in 999 Queen Street. And yes. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I won't say anything. And away I went. Right. And I just kind of, you know, suffered through it for the next several decades until, you know, the world caught up to what we were all going through, but uh, you know, how I, how beautiful. So I also, uh, let me interrupt, uh, Adrian, you have to know, or people have to know, that in that day and age, there were no support services, no social okay. services. There was nothing. You put these people and children into an institution and walked away. I, di I did not. I refused to do that. No. And so that was that was my responsibility for the whole of my life. And uh, I think I moved on to another marriage. And unfortunately, um, he said he loved me. He loved my child. We moved in, of course, married and that, that. And then he turned around and said, I hate your child. As long as you keep her well away from me, we'll get along just fine. Bye-bye, oh. number two. <laughs> I so, had to, yeah. Always yeah. your children first. Um, always Sarah first, always Sarah first. Everything was the focus uh, of my life. I mean, I've had quite a life. I made a life and I made a career as well, but it all had to be so that I could afford a good life for her. That was the most important thing. I, I was not going to let go and uh, have her put away or something awful. But she ended up just quickly to say in the most wonderful place, totally integrated in in a village or where everybody knew them, they were just happy, ordinary people shopping in cinemas, uh, shopping in grocery stores, going to cinemas, just normal life, 24-hour, seven days a week supervision. And she had a wonderful, wonderful life. And, and you uh, did this all yourself. I'm proud of that when she had to go into a nursing home at the end just for a year and a half. But I was I was happy that she had that before she died. COVID got her. COVID That's what I wanted to say. So she passed when, Valerie? A year ago. Well, not even a year, nine months ago, actually. Yeah. I'm so, so I'm still sorry for your loss. It's it's unimaginable <laughs> to, to be. Yeah, I lost, I, I think I mentioned you on the phone, Adrian. I lost my focus of my life. Um, oh, right. Yes. Yeah, so I made a big success in a career here in Canada. I came here to make the money to pay for all this wonderful stuff and it worked and I worked very very hard and I had my own tv show where I um dear Valerie which yeah people called in on the phone for advice and got free advice on the uh, um, on the tv live they didn't see that. them just me and that was all that was a huge success with all the cultures all different cultures you see they all have sex problems relationship problems marital problems everybody it doesn't matter what religion you are what culture you come from everybody has the same sort of problems some more difficult than others perhaps but i think that was interesting they all, all called in on the tv show and i gave them um, instant advice it was not go and see your priest or go and do this or that no, I gave them two scenarios. There are two things you can do here. This is what I did, and this will happen to me, and this is what you can choose with where you want to go and how you want to solve it. And I think that was why it was so popular. There was no preaching, no preaching. I don't preach. They were tips. They were tips. And I think yes. that's why people really did gravitate towards you. But we're going to end up the the show in a few minutes with a, you know maybe three of your top tips but 
I just want to also uh, just go back to Sarah and honor uh, her life, but Thank also you. really honor you as a independent, strong woman in a day and age where you had no support. Not only did you not have the support of, um, like you said, of social services or any kind of support, it, you didn't even have your family support and you still rose above it all. And you still said, hell to you all. I am doing this. This is my child, my responsibility, and I'm going to give her the best life I can. And you did. And I, I celebrate you. I, I don't even have words knowing everything about you and what you did for her and, you know, her going to Disney and just having a beautiful life and how that. different could her life have been if she didn't have a strong woman like you as a mom? I don't want to think about that. I really don't. Cause I know. I know what no, I'm not saying I'm, Everybody I'm not asking you to go there. Yeah. So maybe I'm it's, trying it's to just, just you now she's passed. I can look back and say, there wasn't a stone unturned to make her happy and have her happy. She laughed all her life. She had a wonderful smile. Everybody fell in love with her. Everywhere she went, she had this wonderful smile. Even when in pain, she was uh, and she was in pain a lot. She was a wonderful kid, and I miss her terribly, terribly. But on the other hand, I just know she's at peace, and uh, and that's all. And that's all that matters. But what I was trying to say is there's a lot of women now today that are suffering in very similar situations as you. And just what you have gone through is somewhat unheard of without any support. Now, today, there are a lot of support systems for women and children. And, you know, they can definitely do it, but people are often terrified, but you were not. So that's what, what I want to celebrate is you being female, being fearless, having a vision and going for it. You didn't have a plan. You didn't write it out. You just knew what you were going to do and you went for it, which is sort of your MO in everything that, you know, you know, the end goal, you'll get there. You're educated, you're smart, you're kind, and you got to where you wanted to be. I'm unbreakable. <laughs> yes are. you are my friend so <laughs> can I ask you in closing and you know there's a part two to this coming soon uh, and we will talk about all fun things dating and sex and all the other fun things people love to chat about what would you say would be your top three tips for people that now you know just prior to the pandemic uh, because I'm in the business of private investigation. And, you know, obviously a lot of our uh, cases are uh, family law. So we deal a lot with infidelity, uh, divorce, yeah. separation, child custody, et cetera. So a lot of people, then you shut the world down and you enclose two people that already have like a ton of issues that, you know, the divorce rate is just through the roof, through the roof. So now yeah. you've got a bunch of single people that are 40 plus, what tips would you give people today? I think um, don't be worried about being single because I think you're in the best time ever to be single. The biggest growing demographic, for instance, in Canada is single people over 50. Uh, and also not to worry about your age. You know, I don't. I never worried about my age. I am way up there. But 
40, 50, 60, 70, 80, even 90 nowadays. Remember that if you've hit 40 and you've got another 50 years to live, an adventure, untrod ground, you can go out there and do whatever you please if you want to or not. It doesn't matter whatever you think. But do see aging as an adventure, as something to which you can plunge and do all these things uh, or just take time off and go on holidays or do whatever. Start a business, whatever you want to do. If you want to remarry or date younger men, if you're women, or if you're a man, you want to do whatever, travel all over the world. You should do it. Age should not be a factor. The factor, of course, is aging. And when you get much older, it's probably ill health or something you may. But there is ill health when you're 22. So try to think that this is part and parcel of the adventure. And that's what I want to urge people to enjoy a, um, aging and not see it as a an abyss of decay and divorce and dismay and all the things I've had women say to me, oh my God, I'm going to be 45. What am I going to do? And I say, you're going to live for another 40 years plus <laughs> and you're exactly. going to make the most of it and enjoy it. Come on. And exactly, uh, because um, you're putting a positive spin on it. I mean, my mother, God bless her. She's 87. She swims, you know, on a daily basis. She runs up and down. I think she had both knees replaced at 80 something. Wow. She's like, oh, I think they're getting old now. I think I'll replace them. I'm like, <laughs> they've been telling you that for 30 something years. You're deciding yes. this now. She's like, hell yes, I am. And running up and down the stairs. And, you know, she's like, oh, I've got a little bit of arthritis. I'm like, look, at 87, if I've got a little bit of arthritis, I'm doing like yes. the tango girl. Like, yes. And <laughs> so I think the other two mindsets for people to stand up to, uh, to this whole ageism thing. And they say, oh, it's wear and tear. That's the doc's favorite thing. You know, um, <laughs> Just stand up to people who say, no, you can't do that. No, you can't wear that. You can't, not at your age. They're all those expressions. Women get them more than men do. And I'm, and that's unfortunate because to hell with it. You can wear what you like. Doesn't matter if you enjoy it, you like it, you feel good in it. This is how life should be led, the way you want it. A hundred percent. And you know, Valerie, it's funny you say that because I keep saying to my mom, as soon as I come home with something new, she's like, oh. I want one of those. And I'm like, so we're twinning again, right? Mom, she's like, yes, I like the flare. She is like, she wears all kinds of designer stuff. I wear it. She needs one too. And I'm like, hell yeah, you do. You know, you I don't love her already. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to be a granny. I'm like, let's go. But you know, I, I think like you said, it's totally mindset. And again, you are setting such a positive influence for people that are, you know, look, the one thing is, the only thing guaranteed in life is birth and death. And the other thing is, is that every second you get a little bit older, but it, like you said, it doesn't have to be a negative. You're changing everybody's narrative again. And you're telling people it is a beautiful thing. So thank you for that. Not at all. My pleasure, Adrian. Really lovely to talk to you. Oh, it's so great to speak to you and to see you. And our next will be live. Thank you, Valerie. Okay, thank you, my dear. You take care and let me know. Bye-bye. <laughs> good. Okay, don't hang up. Oh, did you go? No, okay, good. No, no, so no. we'll, yeah, we're going to stop the um, filming right now. Wait one second.
but right? you are so fabulous. We could talk for hours and hours and yes, hours. Yes, I'm and afraid hours. so. Yes. I, so I would love to do one. Where are you? Because I know before you were in Etobicoke, right? Yeah, still there, still there, still at That's the same good. house. 32 years in the same house. <laughs> God bless. Well, I'm at, so my office where you see all the yes, yes. Marilyn Monroe's and Elvis's uh, yes. and all those fun Sorry, guys. Edward. Yes. Yes. We, um, we're right at, um, Matheson sort of near Renforth and Eglinton. Oh, not, not far away. Far. Not far away. I'm, I'm at Dundas and Islington approximately. You're probably 15 minutes. Right the road. <laughs> yeah. Are you driving still? Oh, yes. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, just let me tell you, I'm at 80 and I'm 83, by the way. At 80, I bought a sports car. A sports car, bright what orange. did you buy? What would you buy? Mazda Miata, uh, limited edition, bright orange, hot, hot, hot. Hot or <laughs> of course you did. I wouldn't have thought it would have been any other color but orange. Oh, yes, no. And now it's that, funny, Mazda, so you. Back, I guess, my friends, but not really. But that, they said, oh, my gosh. But I get a kick out of that car because it's fun it's young it's exciting it's wonderful to drive so you're gonna come you're gonna come pick me up never mind me yeah. picking you up forget yeah. that i used to rally drive in england when i was younger i was a rally driver so i'm very keen on sports what else and have also, you not just, done? i'll just throw a tidbit at you not for now of course but i, I was the first ever in britain the first professional scuba diver in britain ever 1961 62 and there were only three women scuba divers in the world there was one in a, a, in australia valerie taylor her name was and one in america there was just the three of us and i have a huge story of how i fought the whole establishment of male uh sub aqua club and and so on to get to be um, in the whole thing, I was married that time at us to an, another scuba diver, but um, <laughs> the whole thing—they said no way because it's a man's sport; it's very dangerous. And I said, "Where does it say that in your rule book?" No, it doesn't, but that's the way. I said, "No way," and I—I I, oh, I had to fight. I had to fight, but I became—I went out and I was six I years. Not. I was a professional so scuba diver. So the next one that we're going to do, and if you're available next week, I would love for you to come in studio. I want to talk about all this because these are the things people, you know, are still so, you know, kind of up in arms that, you know, women don't have equal pay and equal rights. And I agree, but oh, I yeah. only tell people, like I, I always say, cause I'm also a certified life coach through Tony Robbins. Uh, now, but I always tell people and many different therapists say never look back. I always say, look back to see how far you've come, right? Oh, and yes. we have come far, but you are a trailblazer yes. with your orange hair and your orange Mazda Miata. Oh, girl, I yes. cannot wait to go. I over know. And, and I, I considered buying a car, a sports hot sports car at 80 to be a good thing and an exciting thing. And uh, it, anyway, I don't care. But the thing is about the whole thing of being, that was the scuba diving, for instance, was one area. Um, and I, yes, I marched in all the marches for women's rights and women's wages to be the same. And all I did all of that. Um, and I fought all of those things. But this was a particular area that not many people know very much about. <laughs> that, that I was the first, honestly, the first 
woman, scuba diver. In I love that. But those are the kinds of stories people need to hear. You know, even one of, and it's only because I started telling my story. I was the first female that took auto in my high school because they put girls into sewing and home ec. Boys got to go to auto. And I was like, hell no, I want to go twist a wrench. And they were like, nope, back into sewing and cooking. And every day for three weeks, I went and I bugged my principal. And finally, he's like, I'm like, I just need to know why. And they're like, just because this is the way it is. And then finally, it's yes. like, fine, because you're a girl. And I was like, oh, you said that out loud. He's like, okay, fine, go, yes. go into auto. You're going to get your nails back. Yeah. Not <laughs> for women. I mean, I uh, when I became a reporter, my first at, at the age of, so I went to work at 16. And uh, they said the same. No, this is a male profession. It's uh, men reporters, men, everything. You couldn't do anything so he they said you can be a secretary <laughs> I said no I want to be a, a, a reporter well you can't I said well what can I do yeah. that you'll agree to exactly. and they, they made me what they called a copy boy a copy boy was running up and down stairs taking copy from one editor to another editor and then right. the end they, they I was so persistent they gave me the baby shows and dog shows <laughs> right oh <up>. yay <laughs> That is hilarious. Well, I have a million stories. Oh, I can't wait because to this day we're going to exchange stories. Who's and your stories are way better. But it was same. People will still call my my company, and the odd time when I do pick up, they're like, "Oh, can I speak to one of the owners or an investigator?" I'm like, "You are." Well, can I speak to the other owner? I'm like, "You are." Did you need to speak to a man? Well, yeah. And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> you can, cause they're going to come to me and ask me anyways. So there you go, Valerie. Yeah. Okay. Adrian. Love to you. Thank you. you. 